Welcome back to Open Doors at St. Lawrence College, the podcast where we speak to pupils, to staff, to parents and the school's alumni about education in a co-ed boarding and day school. Now, in this episode, we speak to a television director who is someone who was at St. Lawrence College in the 90s and is now involved in some well-known series that we come to know and love on television. Dee Copang O'Leary tells us about her experience of life as a pupil at school, how it led to the work she does now, and how things have changed from the 90s to today. And of course, we also get to find out what life as a television director is really like. And it sounds like an amazing world. It really does. That's all coming up in this episode. So come with me now as we hear about life at the school in the 90s with Dee Copang O'Leary. Dee, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the School Podcast. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting. This is actually my first ever podcast that I've done. Wow. <laughs> and do you listen to podcasts as well? Do you know what? It, for my sins, I haven't well, I haven't had a lot of time to listen to podcasts, but um, I've really not, I haven't listened to that many podcasts at all, but I know I need to. And I've got like a, a list so long of, of the amount that I need to listen to, but, um, but I haven't really listened to that many. Um, it's only because I find it sometimes quite hard to concentrate when you've got, if you've got too much going on in the background, I always think you sort of want to be doing something at the same time. But, um, but yes, I will do at some point. Well, podcasts are great. People normally find when they're either in the gym or they're walking the dog or they're, they're driving on a regular journey in the car where they don't really need to think about things too much. But, but generally speaking, it's when they're doing something else. But anyway, I'm dying to find out a little bit more about you as a person, your time at school. And a little bit later on in this recording, we're going to be finding out about your work as a television director as well, which is very exciting. Um, but first of all, just tell us a little bit about your time at St. Lawrence College, just to set the scene for people who are listening to this right now. When was it that you were there at the school? But what year did you join? How old were you and how long were you there for? So I was trying to do the maths on this because obviously it's a little while ago now. Um, but we think, I think it was 1991 because I definitely finished in 1997. So I think that's about right. So I would have been 12, 13 okay. when I joined. Mm -hmm. And so I was there from 12, 13 through to um, finishing my A-levels. Um, so I would have been 18. Um, and uh I'd come over because I'm, I'm half English and half Norwegian, and uh, but my mother's English and my mother's from Ramsgate, um, originally obviously where St. Lawrence College is. And so she'd, after spending 20 years in Norway, she'd moved back to England and, and brought me with her. And I have a, had a brief little stint at um, uh, another little school, St. Stephen's College in Broadstairs, which then shut down. Sadly, and then I moved across um, to St. Lawrence College, which also had a couple of other, um, a few of the other girls that had been at school with me as well that came over too. So, um, so yeah, I started in Cameron, which I don't even know if Cameron exists anymore, but that was where you were. Um, that's where the young the young ones were that were coming into St. Lawrence College. So that was, I joined there in the second year of the, the two years of Cameron, basically, which was mm -hmm. a funny little building, which I'm sure isn't even there now, which was sort of, down towards where the head headmaster's house was and then you swing a left and it was a, a funny little hut um mm -hmm. uh where the i guess the first and the second year and um, students were but i yeah i joined in the in the second year there um mm. which was uh which was great but yeah it was uh it was quite a career, uh, quite a sort of big difference for me though because i'd i'd come from Norway, which was a sort of international baccalaureate style kind of international school, so that completely different. And then via a sort of 
uh, school for uh, for young ladies. So it was very. I'd been to a sort of girls' school for a couple of years before that, and then mm. uh, when I joined uh, St Lawrence College, it was mixed, and uh, and it was a sort of classic uh, UK kind of boarding school Harry Potter vibes. So yeah, mm-hmm. big big change. <laughs> but I, but I loved it really, you know. So given the fact that you were living in Ramsgate at the time, were you were you boarding or were you a, were you a day pupil there? Yeah, actually, we ended up moving to Broadstairs, sort of just around the corner. So um, I ended up, um, I was a day pupil because I lived with my my mum and my um, and my my grandmother, my nana, and um, uh, and we lived in, in Broadstairs together. So day pupil, um, uh, but then I'm just trying to think if I ever boarded. No, I didn't. I might might have had the odd occasional night there just for practicality. But um, but yeah, I was a day pupil, which was interesting, actually, because it was predominantly, it may, may have changed now with the the, um, the amounts, but it was predominantly a boarding school with mm. what felt like a much smaller percentage of, of day pupils. Mm. Um, but it was great, you know, and it was, we, it was so, it was kind of how I'd be, been used to growing up in Oslo. It was a very, very international school, um, which was great. Mm. So lot, lots of, um, lots of people from different countries, which was, mm. um, which was nice to have a mix mix of people really, but um, mm. but yeah, there weren't too many there weren't too many day pupils in my in my class really. So actually, most of my friends were were the boarding girls from Bellaby, even though I was in Cameron. But uh, yeah, I see. And do you remember what your favourite subject was at the time when you were there? I think I, I mean I always loved sport. That was always that was always my um, you know that when I first got there, that was the go to really. And I, you know I loved. I loved hockey and netball and tennis and and athletics and running and everything. But but drama was my real passion and love. So um, from such a young age, that was all I ever really wanted to do. So yeah. I, everything for me was all about if it was an English class and you were reading aloud plays, that was my favourite, favourite moment, really. Um, but yeah, so but sadly, at the time, we didn't do. I know lots of things have changed now, but we didn't have drama GCSE. We didn't have drama A level, so that you didn't really have dra- You didn't have drama as lessons. So I would get my little scraps of drama and, and uh, from sections within other lessons, really. Mm-hmm. So how did it feel then, given the fact that you know in in the national curriculum at the time, drama wasn't viewed by a lot of people as being as important as the likes of English or maths or history. But yet that was something that you were definitely passionate about. I mean, how did you how did you battle with that almost in in a school environment back then? Yeah. Do you know what? It was actually looking back at it now, that was actually really hard. And I think at the time, I, you know, you, you don't you were only faced with your reality that's in front of you. So you don't really know any different. But um, but actually looking back now, you, you it was actually really tough because everything that I loved i.e. the sports or, or the, you know, mainly the drama, nothing actually counted as a real job or a real mm. career or, or real subjects. They were all the extracurricular subjects. And that was actually really tough because I essentially put way too much effort, well, all my effort into everything that actually didn't count for a grade, which mm. um, is quite hard because then you, obviously you've got lots of people going, well, you know, you won't, won't, do well in your A levels, or you won't do well in your exams, and you know you won't get to university and blah blah blah. But I, but I, did, I knew I, I always knew that I only ever wanted to do something related to drama. So I, I knew from mm. such a young age I only ever really wanted to work in television or film or theatre. I didn't know if that was in front of the camera, on stage or behind the camera. But I sort of from such a young age, I mean you know honestly from maybe about six or seven, I was sort of saying I want to direct or be an actress 
that was I want to direct or be an actress that was all I really ever wanted to to do so but yeah so from such a young age I was getting involved in every single school play every single house play just anything I could do and anything I could do to sort of help the teacher that had been allocated to direct that as well I would always want sort of extra can I help with the program can I help with this can I help with props can I help set it up and I would always want to sort of be part of the, um, the organising of it really but we had a there's such a and it's such a little thing but for me it was huge uh, when I was in Cameroon when I joined in that first year um, we had a teacher Mr Isaacs and uh, he uh, put on a Cameron uh, school play and it was Oliver Twist and I was very excited because all I watched was uh, musicals so old musicals that was completely my, my favourite thing in the world mm-hmm. and um, uh, anyway we put on this production of um of Oliver Twist I was furious because I didn't get um, the role of Nancy obviously but my friend my friend Wendy Adams got Nancy and she was amazing she was brilliant I got sort of Nancy's friend Meg or something okay <laughs> but um but actually I but I absolutely loved it and I had such a small part in the end but um uh, but I threw myself into it um and I ended up winning the the drama award which was one that's the only thing I've ever really won I think but oh, um wow. uh, but yeah that was my first year there but I no, I absolutely loved it and I sort of knew that I that I yeah that was when I came alive really and that was all I ever really wanted to do was work in in that world be a part of putting on a production I think that was really mm. my fas- fascination really mm. but um and then that sort of continued then going up then I moved up from Cameron and um, I went into Lang, which was the girls' day pupil house. And um, uh, and then I was in Lang the whole way through, really, to the end. And so as soon as I hit Lang, I kind of found out what happens with the, the house plays. And um, I think myself and uh, Anna Shearer, who was year, the year below me, but was also very, very keen on drama, um, I think it was from the third year that we directed the house plays, which was sort of unheard of because normally it was the sixth formers that had come in, mm. but um, mm. that, that, that would always do them. But I think we, it was either the third year or the fourth year, but we were the youngest, um, the youngest ever to, to, to put on the, and arrange uh, and actually be in as well the house plays at the time. Awesome. So, um, mm. but yeah, so that was all we ever really wanted to do. Mm. Um mm. And we, we, we ended up doing a variety of, uh, you know, we, what was it? We, did, we did Little Shop of Horrors, something called, okay. I think it was Fool's Gold or something like that. And uh, and then we finally realised that actually, because we never we didn't win at those points, so we were very annoyed. And I think it was finally, as we got into the lower sixth, we realised that actually maybe sex sells a little bit better. So we did Chorus Line <laughs> with all the girls dancing <laughs> in leotards. And uh, and suddenly we won that year. So that was Oh, oh look at that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, but yeah, that was, uh, it was good. But yeah, so lot, yeah, lots of my sort of fond, happy memories of being involved in there the house plays and then also at the same time the school plays which again we had an amazing teacher um oh god mr bendel i don't know if he's still there even not sure he used to teach us french and uh which i was terrible at or french literature but um but he used to always be in charge of um the school plays as well so um and again from really young age from kind of third year as soon as i was allowed to be involved in the, the school plays when you moved up to the bigger bigger section then I would always um you know maybe only have a small part but I would always want to be involved in those so yeah Mm. they were kind of Mm. some of my happiest memories just sitting reading 
plays aloud and and being in rehearsals and but again using all my extra time doing that rather than doing any of my homework and um, probably not doing as well as I should have in any of my exams but it's fine. <laughs> it all worked out in the end so <laughs> but it really does sound like in all of this that most of your happy memories your 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 fun time at school uh, was in mm. the drama department or something to do with drama connected to drama in some way or another yeah absolutely I think yeah, that's really kind of my memories at school are, I think the only thing probably in the classroom would be when we were reading plays or reading, you know, lit literature or talking about plays or analysing plays. I love mm. that as well. Mm. But yeah, everything for me was really um, anything we could do in the theatre. I remember, <laughs> which I'm really pleased that things weren't filmed because this would definitely come back to haunt me. We used to have, um, and they probably don't even do it now, but once a month, a different house would host chapel. And because uh, you had chapel every morning and um, I, I don't quite know how I got away with this. I decided it'd be a really great idea for Lang to host chapel, but to do the Madonna track uh, like a prayer coming in okay. down through the aisle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, I'm not sure, which is actually quite dark if you listen to the lyrics now but we somehow essentially mimed like a prayer coming in I think dressed as nuns walking mm -hmm. down the aisle and they're going into some sort of dance routine <laughs> um yeah so. <laughs> but, we'll have to find out whether or not that would pass today in that case I know no way we'd never get away with that now no. um but um but yeah but there's a lot of things I'm just quite pleased there's not there's not actually that much photographic evidence or any video footage because it mm. just didn't really you know didn't really happen back then so mm. Yeah. <laughs> so since leaving school, have you had a chance to get back into school? Have you had a chance to come back at all? Yeah, so I've been a couple of times, which is lovely. Um, so I'm still in touch with, with a few people, which is nice. You know, don't see them super often, but, you know, we've got some WhatsApp groups and things and you sort of bump into people every now and again. But there's um, there's a few girls that I, I sort of regularly see, um, which is nice. So we've had a couple of, um, couple of times we've all agreed to sort of meet up in Ramsgate, pop in, have a little tour of the school, see what's changed. Um, which is so much. Um, I can't believe there's a cafe. There's a cafe in the middle, which was really bizarre. Um, but it was all, yeah, it was all quite, well, not basic when we were there, but it was definitely very different. And, um, but yeah, so we've been back, had a little tour. And then I also got asked to come back and um, uh, judge uh, the house drama competition, which was oh, a really lovely, lovely little mm. full circle moment. Very surreal. But they've got this, um, it was very different from when I was there. But um uh, they've got, you know, very, very fancy uh, new theatre with amazing lighting rig and audio visual and blah, 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 you know, all of that. So it's all kind of all singing, all dancing now. And uh, and they do and they do GCSE drama now and A-level drama and they have a photography department, an amazing art mm. department. So they've, they've completely, uh, you know, obviously it's a long time ago now. So they've, they've come on leaps and bounds in that department. But I did sort of walk around going, oh, my God, I really wish they'd had that when I was there because I would have loved all of those elements so you know I did okay my, my GCSEs I got them all and that was fine but when we got to A levels I wasn't allowed and that was just the rules at the time you weren't allowed to do three arty arty subjects you have okay. to do classical subjects but um but at the time I did English classical civilization which was literally the only reason I did that was because we could talk about plays and <laughs> French literature again because we could talk about plays but, you know, maybe I, I do hope in a way 
that maybe some of them, if anyone's there from then, maybe look back and go, oh, okay, so maybe it would have been okay if she'd have wanted to do three arty subjects mm. together. Mm. Obviously, I did, but I was very lucky though because I ended up auditioning to get into university, and thank God it was a drama. It, it, I was studying; I knew I was going to study drama or media, so mm. actually, mm. Um, I uh, I was fine. So I was allowed in because of my audition. So um, mm. I was okay, and I got to university, so it was fine. But, um, mm, yeah. Very good, very good. <laughs> so tell me then about your role as a television director. I mean, what, what what does that actually look like? Because, you know, I'm thinking that people who are listening to this right now, they can imagine the careers of people who go into, I don't know, insurance or being an accountant or or, or doing mm-hmm. a, 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 a variety of different jobs. But being a television director, I, I, I imagine that a lot of people don't quite understand what a day looks like for you. Tell us a bit about it. Sure. So, yeah, I can do a quick um, career trajectory for you, really, um, to show kind of what that looks like. So I I studied um, media and drama at university. I knew that I always wanted to work in that industry, didn't quite know exactly where where I would land or kind of really what was possible at the time, because I actually Mm -hmm. I didn't again, we didn't really have. I didn't really have, I didn't have a mentor or anyone in that industry or any step up at all. So I just Mm. blindly knew that I wanted to work in television and film or theatre somehow. Um, But I didn't actually really know kind of realistically how that worked. But anyway, got myself to university, studied that, knew that I wanted to work in that industry. And then it's actually quite an interesting industry because it really does work as apprenticeship. You really do have to start at the bottom and work your way up. And that is the best way to do it. So after um, studying it, I went to London, started as a runner, which basically you're a dog body, you make tea, you do lots of photocopying and you you say yes to absolutely everything and you have to really just preempt what everybody wants before they even know that they want it, basically. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I started on uh, music uh, TV shows. So I worked on, um, in a, on a lot of music shows and then I ended up sort of being a runner, researcher, production coordinator um, and then I ended up being very interested in cameras um, so I did a lot of, um, uh, I would do a lot of sort of second or third camera and then you end up becoming a shooting uh, AP or a shooting researcher and then a shooting AP, which means you do camera work whilst also working on it. Um, okay. I ended up sort of moving across, across into a lot of um, extreme travel documentaries. Um, so I travelled, I was very lucky, I spent sort of probably six, six, seven years or so travelling all around the world in sort of the Arctic, climbing mountains in, you know, Kilimanjaro or in jungles Gosh. or living on wow. desert islands and directing everything from things like sort of shipwrecked and or kind of Ben Fogel climbing a mountain or whatever. You sort of fall into this kind of exciting, uh, extreme travel documentary world. But actually, mm. my languages did come in very useful. And even if my Latin from St. Lawrence College didn't, but my languages did come. <laughs> because, well, they were okay. very useful, actually, for that. So, um which was great. Uh, and yeah, so I ended up doing lots of lots of extreme travel docs. And then I sort of fell into fashion um, as well. And I ended up working in New York and LA on the Victoria's Secret fashion show for, for quite a few years as well and doing lots of jobs in America uh, and uh, lots in St. Bart's and Puerto Rico and, and places like that. And then um, and then I, I sort of ended up knowing that I wanted to change over into drama uh, a few years ago. And because uh, I sort of ended up, you know, loving the industry I was working in and really enjoying it, but actually kind of desperately wanting to come back to my love of acting and drama roots. And so I, I did a sort of slight U-turn and I had a very good friend that was um, that was uh, directing The Crown. And uh, and off the back of the work I'd been doing, he he invited me to come and do some second unit directing for him where you come and you assist the, the main director. 
and um, and I did that, and then I ended up working on The Crown for seasons two, three, and four, which was Gosh. wonderful. Hmm. Yeah, very exciting. And then off the back of that, I then um, moved on to Bridgerton, uh, another Netflix show. So I was um, mm-hmm. second evening directing on that. And then off the back of that, I recently um, was the lead director for um, a big uh, TV series called The Split uh, with the production company Sister Pictures. And so I just directed uh, with the writer six episodes um, for that series, So, uh, which is for, um, for BBC, but it goes out in like 128 countries so it's sort of a worldwide tv series so yeah yeah <laughs> gosh how fantastic so tell me what it's like then going from being a second unit director to being a lead director because i'm guessing that being lead director you get a lot more responsibility yes <laughs> it's a big job <laughs> but you know by definition you are directing more so tell us what the difference is between those two Okay, so my best analogy for directing, and actually I didn't come back to your question before about how does your day look, but uh, which I'll come back to afterwards. But uh, the best analogy for um, directing is, imagine you are doing up a house. Um, when you're the second unit director, you're doing up a house and you've basically been given potentially uh, the uh, conservatory to do up or the downstairs loo. You've been given one little section of the house to do up and that's your bit, you concentrate mm-hmm. on that, but you don't have to think about any of the house the rest of the house you've just got to think mm. about your section that you're doing um to then show the mm-hmm. owner of the house i hope you like it you know so you're just concentrating on that section that mm. you're filming when you're suddenly a lead director you are in charge of the whole house so you're mm. bringing in the plumber you're bringing in the tiler you're bringing in the painter you're bringing in the person doing the masonry work you're bringing in the electrician you're bringing in every element to it but it's your house mm. that you're creating and you've got to be, you're not yeah. working on every element because you, you're not a plumber, you're not an electrician, but you bring in the best people for the job and that be that your costume mm. designer, your actors, your sound people, your art department, your, you know, whatever department it is, you're bringing in all those people, but they're all reporting back to you and you have to make sure that your vision for how you want to do up this house, say, uh, mm. all aligns. So everything has to get sort of filtered back for you, to you, essentially. So I guess Gosh, if, right, you do a, right. if you do a sports analogy, it's a bit like playing centre midfield or centre or whatever. Everything kind of comes back to you and then you figure out how you want to mm. pass it out. But, um, but yeah. So, Gosh, right. So yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, and it's, you know, it's a fascinating industry and you, you really, there are so many different ways to work, but, but, but mainly I would come on board, unless I'd been involved in the development of a project, I would come on board because a show has already been commissioned by a Netflix or an Apple or an Amazon or whoever. There's a production company that that have developed it. They would bring me in as a director for hire and you would then, you know, if you you liked the script, you would have read the script beforehand, been attracted to the script and wanting to make it, then you, um, yeah, then you get brought on board to help um to help bring it to life really so uh, and that would then be working with casting directors working with the team of executive producers and the writer and help uh bring the vision to life really and uh and work work across all the different departments in prep and getting everything ready and then obviously when you come to shooting that's a sort of military operation and then it's it goes into kind of page counts and how much you can get through per day and the the organization of how and um, how you're going to shoot everything in um, a small amount of time. 
That's really interesting you say that because I think when a lot of people think about uh, being a lead director, they they just imagine that view of, of of a lead director actually doing the shooting part. Yes. But how much of your work is involved before the shoot? like you've just indicated. Yeah, so the shoot is the smallest part. So essentially you can be in prep for, nice. you know, a couple of months, three maybe longer months beforehand. I mean, I'm speaking to some I'm speaking to people now. So we're in what month are we in now? September. I'm speaking to people now from my shoot probably in March. So I would come aboard. Wow. Yeah, you'd come aboard significantly beforehand. You know, and it might be you mm. might not be fully, fully on it, but you'll be in sort of dribs and drabs of talking, casting, and ideas, and this, that, and the other. Because quite often you're working on a show where there's probably 250 people working on it, you know, or whatever on on mm. these, the big, mm. the big side of sort of you know big streamer shows, and um, so there's an awful lot of moving parts. Um, but yeah, so you come aboard, you're, you know, you can be on it. it. It depends on the type of the show and how, you know, how, how, how far in advance they can afford to have people in and on it as well. But yes, yeah, so you're in prep, mm. say, I don't know, a couple of months, say average maybe. And then you come aboard. Mm. So say mm. for the split, we were doing six episodes. We shot for 65 days, which is fine. That's okay. But, but you know, that's quite mm -hmm. still, mm -hmm. there's a lot to get through in the 65 days. And then I was in post for six months, five months afterwards Gosh, so post-production wow. so post is then the cutting because essentially you've got you've shot all the scenes from the drama but all mm -hmm. out of sequence you don't shoot anything in sequence so mm. if you take the script for six episodes put them all together now imagine chopping them all up into scenes so you've literally cut out the scenes from all wow. six episodes thrown them up in the air, and then you filmed them <laughs> You filmed them sort of all out of sequence, but obviously the sequence makes sense logically for the location. So you shoot, you normally shoot everything that's in that location, you know, potentially, or you look at the most practical and cost-effective way to shoot it. But then obviously when you have to mm. stick them all back together and do the, put the jigsaw puzzle back together to make it, to craft a, a narrative and, and, to, and to make your, your episode, um, that takes months to finesse to finesse that mm, and start mm. putting these pieces together and you don't need all those pieces you find because actually sometimes when you're stitching it together that feels a bit clunky or you want to move that there and you swap things around and then that's just the basic timeline then you've got to add into you know got to add into graphics music vfx sound design all the other elements that start to kind mm. of come into play and um, then happens wow but it's really fun you know there's so, so much to it isn't there there's so yeah. much to it yeah it's uh yeah, it's a lot, but it's, I mean, it's, it's wonderful. And for, for me, I absolutely adore post-production. So I think when you've sort of got all the elements, that's it. You can't, you know, you can't do any more bar the occasional pickup, but that becomes expensive to go back and get something afterwards. But you've got all the elements. Now you've got to figure out the clever way of stitching, stitching it all together. And, uh, and it's amazing, mm. you know, with, whether it's sound design or, or, or music, how you can change the mood by adding something atmospherically or, or you know, it's uh yeah mm. it's a fascinating world so um but yes but i love it so oh, i'm i'm in heaven doing it so i feel very lucky that i get to do it every day and do you ever find that in that post-production stage when you're piecing things together that because it's been shot not in the sequ sequential order yes that actually there's there's now something that's that's missing that you needed at the time yeah uh which you didn't recognize at the time uh or is yeah. that actually all covered off in the prep because that's a thorough process and so you so you account I for think all of it's, that i mean you're obviously looking out for that in prep all the time you have you have also you have a script supervisor with you um 
whenever you're shooting and that that's their so they are that is their job to be obviously making sure that you've got everything you need but they're constantly looking and seeing if there's anything missing whilst you're shooting as well so that hopefully that would have been flagged before you finish shooting <laughs> so yeah. um but yeah, yeah obviously mm. you, you you're doing everything you can to avoid but also what well, you know it's the other way you sometimes also get more and you suddenly you actually find something either in a performance or you're shooting something and suddenly you get something extra that actually maybe wasn't scripted but you just find this magical moment that just works and is something mm. special that you can mm. kind of you know use as a cherry on the cake really so it, yeah mm. it goes both ways fantastic and things you know things always go wrong there are things that don't work out and you don't get something or it doesn't mm. that didn't quite work or whatever but you know hopefully there's mm. there's movement mm. in sometimes you get something even better or you know you get something magical that happens mm. instead mm. yeah yeah. Dee, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about television directing all day, but um, <laughs> uh, let's bring it back to school for a moment. Yes. If, uh, as a final question, if there was mm. one piece of advice you could give to uh, maybe maybe a current pupil or a student mm. at St Lawrence College right now, maybe someone who is wanting to chase their dream, maybe someone who's interested in drama themselves, mm. even more so if it's someone who may be feeling under pressure to if I say conform to society, you know, the, the way that maybe there's an expectation within their family that they should go and be a lawyer or something like that, but actually they want mm. to follow their, they, they want to follow their dreams and go into something like drama, then yes. what advice would you give to them? Gosh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think you have to, the most important thing, and, you know, whenever I get asked um, any form of sort of careers advice, I think the most important thing is to do something you enjoy because you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life. So there's absolutely no point mm. in following something just because a parent wants you to do it or just because you think that the school expects you to do it or just because there's pressure to do this or you feel like that's the trad option. I, I, I genuinely believe anything is possible if you really, really want something. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be drama or, you know, if you desperately just want to be a painter or you want to be this or you want to be, you know, any, any industry, whatever. Um, I think you have to follow you have to follow your dream and it has to be something you love and for me going to work when I'm at work it doesn't feel like a job I think when I go to work mm. and I've had this with quite a lot of people that I work with in, in my industry we feel so lucky to be able to do what we do for a living because it's something we love that actually there are genuinely moments where you and I've, I've said this to myself quite a lot of times where there are moments where I think I I would have done this for free actually like I don't even feel like I read like mm, I love yeah. it so obviously you can't do it for free but you would you would you if you love your job so much that you almost don't even want to be paid for it because you enjoy doing it so yeah. much does that yeah. make sense um obviously that's not realistic mm. and everybody's got bills to pay of course but um but I just think you have to do something that feels like your hobby but your hobby should be your job because you should do something because you're going to spend mm. such a large proportion of your your time doing it you should absolutely love it mm. so and I think if there's anyone that thinks oh gosh you know that feels like say say drama or telly or you know maybe they want to be a camera person or they want to work in sound or whatever it's sometimes they feel like a sort of big world that you don't quite know how to get into but the the great thing is every mm. single person in that industry all started at the bottom so there's no Everyone mm. started making cups of teas and, and was an apprentice at some point. So mm -hmm. I think it's don't, basically don't mm. be intimidated by it. There's always a way to get in. You've just got to be really, you've got to really want it. And you've got to be really passionate to follow mm. your dream. And, you know, you've got to be prepared to knock on a lot of doors 
um, but just you know, but just keep knocking on the doors, really. And uh, but but definitely, you know, as cliche as it is, absolutely follow your dream and don't don't let other people or teachers um, shape what they think you should be doing. Because at the end of the day, you know in your heart what you want to do. And mm. you know, it could be as simple as you absolutely love football. You know, you're obsessed with football. That's all you want to do. You want to work in football. But you may find you want to work in filming of football, or you may want to work in marketing mm. or branding or something around it you know I think you should just follow something you love and I get asked that a lot of, of people that want to um go into television film but they don't quite know what and my first my first sort of rule of thumb is always just to say okay so what do you love watching what are you obsessed with watching pick mm. that you know mm. pick something you enjoy mm. working on you know so and that could be you know it could be news it could be drama it could be Coronation Street it could be a reality show it could be Love Island it could be EastEnders or it could be you know drama The Crown or Peaky Blinders or Line of Duty or whatever but if you if you absolutely love a world then you know those people always need need people to work on them so there's there's always a way mm. to get in mm. so um but yeah definitely just mm. follow follow your dream and don't don't be afraid to not um conform to the norm d i love this i could i could uh, carry on talking to you all day i really could yeah. but but we need we need to bring it to a close uh thank sure. you so much for your time it's been really good uh talking to you if anybody wanted to connect with you online or or follow you online what, what's your best social media channel that you use sure um i mean i you know like everyone i'm slightly obsessed with instagram at the moment that's probably the easiest thing and if there's a st lawrence person in there i'll always look out for a little slc um you know shout out or whatever so um but yeah no absolutely i'll um and I've, I've sort of i've offered to the school before if there's anyone that's really really has a burning passion to kind of work in that industry um then uh you know i've, I've worked in it for a long time now so there's normally somebody i know that can help and, and connect um connect someone with whichever department they're interested in so that's really good okay well we'll put a link to your instagram account in the show sure. notes but thank you very much for your time it's been thank really you. really good talking to you thank you so much you too. Thank you so much. I've loved talking to you. Thank you. So that was Dee Copang O'Leary, who left St. Lawrence College in 97 and is now enjoying a world of television directing. Dee, thank you for being here and for encouraging everyone listening to chase their dream and to knock on doors. So good talking to you and we all appreciate you giving up the time. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can get future notifications, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.